final morning with Mac together uh, without Mac. Uh, so he is taking the PhD test right now. You get some time, and at the end of this, we'll take some time. Pray for him. Uh, keep him in your prayers today. I don't know how long this process takes. I've not gotten my PhD yet. So uh, keep him in your prayers, and he will be back with you on Monday with the rest of whatever he's going into next in the mornings with Mac. Um, you can join him tomorrow morning at 9.15 and 10.45 Central Standard Time on valleydale.org. Uh, as he's starting a new series in the book of Job, you can double up and you can join him at one of those and join me at 1130 um, uh, Eastern Standard Time uh, at southeastchristian.org is our pastor, Kyle Eidelman, is also starting a series on Job. So I do that every week since we've been in quarantine, worship with Southeast and worship with Valleydale, and it's been an unbelievable blessing to me. I pray that our time together It's been a blessing to you as we've walked through the book of Joshua. We have the last four chapters today, chapters 21, 22, 23, 24, as we conclude this study and and just time set aside every morning to think about how faithful God is. Um, I've kind of tried to give you a little bit of the outline as we've worked through this. As I read through books of the Bible, I try and sketch out an outline. So if I ever preach through it, teach through it, I at least have a general lay of the land. Here's kind of how I would outline the book of Joshua. Um, Chapters one through five are really preparation for Israel to take the land, reminding them of their faithful God. Then you turn in chapters six through 12, and in six through 12, they're going to actually take the land. In chapters 13 through 19, they're going to divide the land up. I take 20 through 22 as a as a chunk, and I call that provisions for life in the land. That's where, as we'll see, 20 is the cities of refuge, 21, the Levites, 22. There's an interesting chapter there on worship in the land. And then the last two chapters, 23 and 24, are Joshua's final words and a commitment to living faithfully in the land. Everything has been about God's faithfulness. The last two chapters are a call to the people of Israel and a call to us to live faithfully because of our faithful God. So um, all of this, this whole book, it's summed up in that, that simple theme that God is faithful. His promises that he's made, he keeps. He is a covenant keeper where we struggle to keep our word, where we struggle, we are so weak. Uh, Paul says the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But we struggle with weakness. He doesn't. He is perfect, righteous, holy, pure. All of those things, he keeps his word to his people. He is faithful in his love. His mercy is new every morning. And we've experienced that. We are the recipients of that. Um, Here's kind of the idea that that jumps out to me as I read through 21 through 24. And and it's that God is worthy. He alone is worthy. So it's another call for us to be a people defined by worship. It's another uh, chance for us to look at who our God is, what he does, and, and to process that and respond to that. Uh, we are called to worship the worthy God. So if you've got your Bible, look at chapter 21 with me. In chapter 21, we see the cities that are given to the Levites, the uh, descendants of Aaron, the Kohathites, uh, Merari's descendants. Um, they're each given land spread out uh, through the land, the promised land. 
And, and I think this is so important because, again, the land wasn't given to them just to be a place to live. It's to be a place to live with God. Everywhere they were, there was someone to help them to lead them in worship. There was someone there to guide them in worship. There was someone to help them because everything about Israel's life was centered on God. Um, their calendar was centered on God. Their economic system centered on God. Their social system centered on God. Everything centered around God. And so everywhere in the land that he could, he placed someone to help remind them and lead them in their worship. Um, as you move into chapter 22, it's kind of an interesting chapter. What happens is the tribes that were east of the Jordan River return home. They had kept their word. They had done all that Moses had made them promise they would do in helping the rest of them take the land. And so they could return home to where they were going to live. And as they go back, you see in, in, in verses 9 through 12 that they set up an altar kind of at the, the Jordan River. They set up this altar, um, and what ends up happening is Israel catches word about it. The other tribes catch word about it, and their assumption is, and um, I think maybe there's something we should process in this, that they would assume the worst in this situation. Maybe that tells us something about them. They assumed that this was set up to worship another God, a false God. And so they all come. And what we have in chapter 22 is, is the brink of a civil war in Israel, where uh, the tribes that are west of the Jordan are coming to those who are east of the Jordan, and they they call them out. They say, how in the world could you do this today? If you rebel against the Lord today, tomorrow he'll be angry with the entire community of Israel. And then they go through, don't you remember what Achan did and how we lost the battle because of that? Don't you remember these other things in our history? Why in the world would you do this? There's so much fear. And I think that this is a healthy fear. They're worried that their brothers have pursued something else. They come after them. What a picture of the church. We should be those who pursue the people who have walked away, fallen away, who are out there. Um, Paul kind of picks up on this in Galatians. He says, you are a spiritual, restore them in a spirit of gentleness. We have been called to pursue our brothers and sisters who have kind of walked into things that are beneath them, that, that are, are separate from what they've been called and created to do. We pursue them. And there is a, an intent to this that you don't really see in the church today. And I think maybe there's a wake-up call for us in this, that if we worship God, his people should be important to us, that we should care enough for them that we want to pursue them. And when they hear that that's not the case, um, the tribes uh, that, that are on the other side of the river saying, no, 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 that's not at all what this is. We set this up for the future to remind your descendants and our descendants that we're the same people who worship the same God. Um, what a forethought they had. I, I mean, there's so many things that run through my mind when I hear that. How are we preparing for the future worship in our congregations? How are we preparing for the future worship um, in the church where you're at? I love how uh, my church has gone over and above at Southeast to care for our kids during the this COVID-19 time. Um, they, they created, my team has created videos for them to watch and worship. And it's been so much fun to watch those videos with my kids and to think and to talk about what the Easter season meant and um, 
There is so much that we need to be doing to invest the scriptures, to invest the gospel in the next generation. I love the heart that they had. They were concerned about the future worship. And so then we come, you know, you've got Israelites placed everywhere. You have this kind of um, tension over who are we worshiping? How are we going to worship? Now you come to 23 and 24. 23, Joshua's final words to them. Just kind of a challenge from him to them as he knows his life is ending. As he knows, as he says, I I am now going the way of the whole earth. He knows that that this is kind of the end of the road for him. He leaves them this, this wisdom and he's pressing them constantly to know how faithful God is. And what he does in chapter 24 is he kind of recaps their history, which we did briefly yesterday, so I'm not going to do all of that again, but here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you've got a pen or a highlighter, go through chapter 24, those first 13 verses, and mark Underline every reference to God. So verse one at the end, before God. Verse two, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel. Like mark all of those. I gave him Isaac. I gave Jacob. I gave the hill country. I sent Moses. Underline or highlight all of those. I, I, I. Here's what what Joshua is after. Joshua is telling them their history. Their history is his story. He is writing their story. It's all about him. And that's the same thing for you and me. Our story really is his story. Everything that he has done, he's constantly provided, constantly, as we looked at yesterday, constantly provides for us. He's constantly telling his story through our lives. And it's so important that we get that. Our lives are not our own. We've been bought with a price. Therefore, we should honor God with our bodies, is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Our lives are to tell his story. But let me point something interesting out to you. There's a bit of a minor chord in this song. You get to verse 14. Therefore, fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods your fathers worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship the Lord. That's an interesting phrase. It sounds almost as if he's saying they've brought idolatry with them from all the way back in Egypt, from all the way back from where they had come from. There's idolatry already existing there. And then you look over and you get to verse 23, and here's what he says. Then get rid of the foreign gods that are among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. He is is aware that there is already false worship taking place among them. They haven't been in the land for long, but they've already begun to embrace these things. Listen, again, this is a reminder. It was a reminder to them. This is a covenant renewal uh, in chapter 24. They are rededicating themselves. They're in the land. God has provided for them. They're rededicating themselves to their God. And Joshua is calling them out and he's saying, you know that you have things in your heart, in your life, in your homes that don't need to be there. Get rid of them. You don't want to tolerate these things. You don't want to deal with these things. You don't want to know what's going to happen. And we know, we we looked at a few days ago, what happens in the book of Judges. Judges is such a tragedy. You have this nation as the true God, and yet they keep looking everywhere else for hope, for help, uh, for life to be defined by these other things. 
there's such a warning to the people of God in this text that what you worship matters and that everything we do is worship. We tend to think of worship as music. The style of worship, are you contemporary, are you traditional, are you uh, a blended type of worship? Worship is all of our life, it's everything we do. What is the thing that drives us right now? What is the thing that we long for right now? What is the thing that has the greatest control over us? I had a teacher who told me, um, if you want to find your idol, answer this question. What is the thing that you would sin to get or what is in your life that you would sin to keep? It's an easy way to know what your idol is. Um, and that takes some time to sit down and process the things that are controlling and driving our heart. He is pressing the people. And at the end of his life, don't go the way you're leaning already. It's a warning to us. You can experience the power and the presence of God in your life and begin to tolerate, to celebrate, to look for things in your life that don't need to be there, that have no place there. We shouldn't tolerate this. I'll never forget hearing um, Josh Revis. He is the associate pastor at North Jacks Baptist Church, taught a devotional one time out of Genesis where um, we're told sin is crouching at your door, seeking someone to devour. And he talked about how foolish it would be to have a pet lion or tiger just thinking about how we would toy around with sin in our lives. And that's exactly what Joshua's after here. He's warning them, don't tolerate these things. Don't allow these things in your life. God is worthy. He alone is worthy. He alone deserves our worship. And they had a front row seat to the power of God. And still they tolerated these things. Uh, As I've been recommending a book every day, this is one of my favorite books uh, by one of my favorite authors. Eugene Peterson wrote a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. I want you to listen to how Eugene Peterson speaks to us about this. He says, when we sin and mess up our lives, we find that God doesn't go off and leave us. He enters into our trouble and saves us. That is good. An instance of what the Bible calls gospel We discover reasons and motivations for living in faith and find that God is already helping us to do it. And that is good. Praise God. A Christian, wrote Augustine, should be an alleluia from head to foot. That's the reality. That's the truth of our lives. God made us, redeems us, provides for us. The natural, honest, healthy, logical response to that is praise to God. When we praise, we are functioning at the center. We are in touch with the basic core reality of our being. That's what we were made for. We were made to experience God's power and God's presence and then to respond to him in worship. It's how our hearts are wired. And what we do is we settle for things that are lesser. We settle for things that are lower. We settle for things that aren't God. And God is calling us through Joshua 21, 22, 23, 24 to worship Him. I pray that this has been an encouraging time for you. I pray that it has helped you to worship and focus through this. Maybe take some time today and do what we talked about early on and begin to make a list of all the things that God has done in your life and to thank Him for it and share that with your family. Share those stories with your friends. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you. Come here. I have a guest that wants to join us for the last of this. This is Scout. 
Uh, Scott's going to join us and pray with us as we close out from this time. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for how good you have been to us, for the things that you've done in our lives, for the ways that you've provided for us. You are a good Father. And we just confess that we constantly need grace. We constantly need mercy. And we pray for my brothers and sisters today that you would help them to know how good you are, that you would help them to root out those things that are in their lives that are not from you and are not pointing them towards you. Uh, together we lift up uh, Doc to you and pray for his PhD comps today that you help him not just to finish those but to experience your power and presence in those. We're thankful for you. You are um, you are amazing, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can you say bye bye.